I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast where we are reaching midweek of Maryland game week here in Happy Valley. Uh, Penn State preparing uh, for that matchup, trying to avoid a four-game losing streak, going up against a fellow 5-3 and three team in the Big Ten Conference. 3.30 kickoff on Saturday. This is a matchup that we'll focus in on pretty much with our entire next episode. We're going to have a guest on who covers the Terps, get a, an in-depth look at that program, and, and talk a lot about what this matchup means for both programs, of course, from our end, specifically Penn State. But coming out of a couple media calls uh, with players and coaches, Sean, not a lot of news comparatively from the last few weeks. The coaching speculation has quelled a little bit. Uh, The Sean Clifford health status has been answered a bit by his performance in Columbus, but we do land in that quarterback room with the biggest note that I thought came out of the press conference with James Franklin on Tuesday, that Taquan Roberson was indeed limited during practices last week, and as a result, Christian Veyu, and that's the pronunciation I'm officially going with from here on forward. Got that word from Greg Kincaid, the SID at Penn State. So we're going Veyu. We've heard it both ways from coaches. We've heard it both ways from Christian Veyu. So just just for reference there. So Great. I'm sure that'll <laughs> stick, and we won't we won't, <laughs> we won't. Uh, switch back and forth here and there. Yeah. yeah so back to Christian Veyer, who is yeah you know, was getting the reps as the number two guy pregame. We heard that from Mark Brennan. We heard from a few other colleagues that carried over into the matchup, according to James Franklin and. Really interesting here, a guy who hasn't played live-action football since 2019, has, has seen everything from the sideline to this point as a college quarterback, was one snap away for potentially facing the Buckeyes on a huge national stage. Well, we saw what happened the first time Penn State went through that with uh, with Sean Clifford and Taquan Roberson out in Iowa. You don't want to be in that situation again, certainly, but um, I, I know that the numbers are not great, but you know it says something about his development that he could at least be there and and be a guy that you somewhat confident taking snaps with. I know James Franklin said that uh, Taquan Roberson was, you know, not feeling up to snuff or whatever, um, you know, not fully available. I think he said it was, um, you know, that's the, that's not really here or there. It's more about uh, how, how healthy can Sean Clifford be and what could Christian Veyer do or Veyu do, sorry, whatever way we're just going to say it today. <laughs> what could he come in and do off the bench? I don't think it would be much, but I, yeah. I don't know see, seeing as how he has only been in the program for uh, nine or sorry, 11 months. Now it's November, not September uh, that, that he could, he probably wouldn't throw as much as him as you try to do with take one Roberson. Um, but yeah, that's a, I think it's a step in the direction that you were going inevitably with this, uh, with these two quarterbacks coming in in January, we're going to talk a, a little bit about January enrollees here later on in the episode. But I think it's a step in that direction. Taquan Roberson doesn't seem like it's the he's the answer, and I'm not sure he's the answer beyond the end of the season here. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I've been impressed with what we've seen from Christian um, in terms of throwing the ball. Um, typically, when you're a freshman, you you have four, sometimes five scholarship quarterbacks, so you're relegated to that practice squad. That's been basically all Mason Stall this year, um, but Christian's been out there throwing around with him. I, I think there's a little bit of a difference between uh, uh, Christian and Roberson when they're throwing the ball side by side. Uh, there's some good whip on it. Again, his 
career arc, unfortunately, really, really up to, uh, just kind of uprooted by COVID. He wasn't able to play as a senior, so he doesn't have as much experience as you want. But the physical tools are there. He's going to continue to fill out. He's a guy that would have been a red shirt guy regardless. Um, you know, you don't, you, you weren't looking for him to come in and play, uh, no matter the quarterback situation. So get him in there, get a good fifteen pounds on him, and see where he's at uh, in in April or excuse me, March or April when you're coming out for spring ball. And this went from like an absolute slam dunk red shirt. Forget about Christian Veyu. You'll see him on the scout team when he when he first got to campus too. Yeah, now he's the number two quarterback at Ohio State because that's where the quarterback room is right now. And, and guys have left and uh, Roberson did not make the next step. But ultimately, Franklin phrased it in the way you described. He said Roberson was limited. Um, and by the time they got through the end of the game week, evaluating with the staff, evaluating with the medical trainers, uh, they reached the conclusion that Veyu would handle that second team role. Fortunately for the Nittany Lions, fortunately for Sean Clifford and James Franklin, they did not need to turn to Christian and and. Sean Clifford went out there and put together one of the more impressive performances of his career, I think, when you look at the collective body of work that he put out there in Columbus. And Sean, looking at these two, it's not just a matter of who's the number two against Maryland. And that question goes unanswered right now because Franklin said they need to continue to evaluate where Roberson is and evaluate where uh, Veyu is. And, and, and I will say a lot about what's going on above the shoulders for Christian Veyu when you hear from James Franklin. I think that's important because this is a kid who you can point to the physical attributes pretty easily and say he's a six foot four, 200 pound freshman, ran that four, six range, 40 yard dash when he camped at Penn State. The athleticism is probably an overlooked aspect of who he was as a quarterback coming out of the high school level. But I think right now it, it's it's Franklin saying he has acclimated himself uh, to the way Sean Clifford prepares mentally. Uh, they like that that what the way he's executing after the snap on the practice field. They like when they loaded him up last week with more reps than he's ever received in the college practices that he responded in a way that was encouraging to them. So a lot you're hearing about him trending in the right direction mentally. And uh, for a guy who here is here in year one, and, and I should note, he is 28 months younger than any other scholarship quarterback currently on this roster. Some promising things coming out uh, the first week of November about one of your three scholarship quarterbacks. And, and when we talk about quarterback lately, it hasn't really been the most positive discussion here on the podcast. I mean, there are some parallels there to Clifford's early career at Penn State. You know, you're sitting behind an established starter, um, probably a little bit more athletic. That's the thing. When he came in in January, they were kind of tickled. At, at, he was more athletic than they thought he was. And not that they're going to come out here and ask him to run an option game or anything like that, where you're, you know, trying to, to beat a team with your legs. He's, he's clearly a different style quarterback than that run of guy uh, of years when you're recruiting Levis and you're recruiting Michael Johnson Jr. and, and Micah Bowens, the athlete, the athletic guys. Um, so it, it's kind of a different, you know, a, a change in philosophy, I would say. Um, but I think that's going in. I think that's the direction they're going in anyway. I mean, you look at the the big hole in the quarterback room right now, those guys that they recruited that were really, really tremendous athletes didn't get it done in terms of being putting the ball where they need to be and, and, and being precision passers and things like that. So I think that's really what, what you're seeing in the evolution of the quarterback room and then to uh, Christian himself. And by the way, you got me completely spooked in terms of saying his last name. So they, thank you for that. You just you, well, he, you, you. He was on our podcast. He said there. I, I don't know what to I don't know what to say. I don't know, man. I it doesn't matter. Um, but in 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 respect to him, um, I just think he brings something a little bit more physical. And I said that when he committed, he's probably your best combination of of arm strength plus accuracy. 
Um, and then he didn't play a senior season. So we kind of forgot about him. Penn State has recruited the lights out with quarterbacks with, with Drew Alar and uh, Bill Prabula. And you kind of forget about him and you kind of forget about the gifts that he does have. Um, not saying he's going to develop into, into a starter, but the, there, there are traits there that you really like in him and in, in, in terms of filling out your quarterback room and, and seeing some potential for the future. Most of our listeners probably don't remember it. I, I don't think either of us remember what our teams looked like, but I remember your last pick in our 11-man football draft in the first week of September to the last week of August. You said you, I had taken Sean Clifford a few picks earlier. He was my quarterback, and you were saying, okay, Roberson or Veyu, and you went with Veyu, and a lot of it is what we're talking about now um, and, and that ceiling. And and boy, better he, he better establish himself as a high-ceiling player because of what is coming in behind him. Now, it was big for him to get on campus as an early enrollee. Uh, we know he was in communication very quickly with Mike Yurcich when that move was made. Remember, he signed with the program when Kirk Shiraka was the offensive coordinator. That's who he thought he would be working with this year. Uh, but coming in just behind him, you got a couple quarterbacks here who are playing tremendous football. Uh, Bo Perbula heading into a state, champ uh, state championship run uh, right now, going to the state playoffs on Beaton. You've got uh, Drew Aller out in Ohio handling business in round one of his state playoffs and whenever it does end for them in their state playoffs next up for them with a team is going to be Penn State in January we're closing in on that so the pressure's on not just to figure out what you've got for QB2 against Maryland in case you got to turn to that guy but who is going to be around here and a factor here in January February March and after that spring semester next year well, right now you've got 11 kids coming in and this is, I know this, we started with the quarterbacks, but those two, those two quarterbacks are going to be on campus in January. Both of them uh, would be labeled as paid except, uh, which means that they've gone through the necessary paperwork, the fees and all that kind of stuff to get into the system for Penn state. So if you see them pop up with uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't call them advertising the player or anything like that. Um, but for example, Typically, they bring these guys in for the the hot one of the hockey games in December or something like that, and sometimes you can put them up on the big screen. That's illegal um, unless you are paid, accepted, you know, already. It's basically pushing it towards signing. A lot of little, you know, little delicacies in there, but uh, it, it, it's a situation where you can treat them kind of like between committed and signed type thing. Um, so both of those guys have made that uh, that effort as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if everything holds true with uh, with the situation with James Franklin and, and Mike Yurcich, those guys will be here in January, and I, I think they'll compete right away. To me, it's it's all about Clifford. You know, it, you you certainly can can talk about the portal here, but given what we've uh, what we've seen, you want to talk about Sean Clifford first. He's got that six year potential. Um, I think that would be great for both of those guys if Clifford were, were to come back to learn from him, um, to put them in a position to not only compete for the job for to an extent right away um but also get get used to the program get used to that because like i said before i don't think there's many college coaches out there that want to start a freshman quarterback there's just that's just not their nature um it's just a little gun shy in terms of uh, of things like that but these guys have a lot of talent and, and i think that that would be the best for everyone involved if you get clifford in there you have the two young guys in there. You have Christian in there as well. We'll see what happens with Taquan, but I think that would be the ideal situation for Penn State in the in the new year. Can you already hear the complaints about Franklin's loyalty? Uh, I mean, remember Koa Farmer and Micah Parsons? Can you imagine if if that were the case and Clifford was around and you had Drew Aller exciting everybody and Clifford maybe just pedestrian as a quarterback? We're going a year down the uh, into the future here. Doing, but it man, sure man. does set up a <laughs> lot of conversations for this podcast, and you know that's the case. There's going to be a Big camp that would be thrilled to have Sean Clifford 
sticking around campus. And there would be another large camp, Sean, that is saying, time to turn the chapter. Let's roll with a true freshman. If Clifford's on campus, that is going to be a lot more difficult for James Franklin to stomach doing. So and there's going to be there's think, going to be a divided camp. And you know that's going to be the case. If you think Tyler asked a lot of questions about the backup quarterbacks this Ooh, year with Roberson and, and Christian Veu, <laughs> uh, yeah, look out next year. That's going to be uh, it's just going to be the whole year for you. That's that's your only going to be your only beat. Hey, man, you, you don't see you don't cover a lot of programs that bring in the nation's number one quarterback. Uh, so if they're able to do that and, and along the way, they still have a guy who started 30 plus games in an Indy Lions uniform. You better believe that's going to be the topic of conversation. But first things first, you got to get the signing day with these guys. And, and first things first for them, uh, they want to win state championships. We know that Bo Perbula got there it was a pretty unprecedented trip for, for Central York um, last season. He led the way they are on beating coming out of the regular season. He had a six touchdown performance. And what looked like a monsoon on Friday night, Sean, he had three touchdowns throwing, three touchdowns uh, running as well. We know he's that dual threat guy. And meanwhile, Drew Aller, five touchdown throws in the first half of a round one victory uh, out there in Ohio State playoffs. And according just to, you no, know, just another week for him. Yeah. Yeah. Three straight <laughs> for both weeks of those, now. Yeah. yeah. Both those guys are racking it up and they've been doing it for a couple of years now. I think Prabula had a huge spike in, in explosive numbers last year and he's maintained that. Whereas Aller has really seen that leap here in his second year as a, as a starting quarterback at the varsity level. And I think when you watch Drew throw and how much fun it is to watch his highlights, three consecutive games now, five total touchdowns. And according to Elite 11, which does a great job, their staff at keeping an eye on, on all their finalists and all their participants and how they're faring the upcoming season, they will be happy to trumpet the success of Drew Aller. 40 touchdowns through the air, seven touchdowns on the ground, three interceptions and a completion percentage hovering right around 66 percent through an 11 and 0 start. It's really funny because Andrew Dorita, who who runs our Instagram page, hits me up about these commit performances every week. And it's kind of like an automatic that Drew's going to be in there. Bo's mm -hmm. going to be in there. Nick Singleton's going to be in there. And then it's kind of you go from there and see uh, who else can fill out those pages, which do very well. Follow us on Instagram, lions.247. <laughs> um, but uh, Bo Perbula opens playoffs this week against Anthony Ivy in Mannheim Township. Anthony's uh, senior highlights went up earlier this week. Really, really smooth receiver, good receiver. Um, he's not going to be one of those January enrollees, but uh, a lot of potential there at that outside spot. Was looking over some numbers today. Came and ran in the four fours for Penn State at camp last year, which you know, if you watch him, you wouldn't have guessed that. Probably would have thought a four five, maybe a low four six guy. But uh, he's got some wiggle. He's got some speed. He's got a lot of body control um, and balance, which you really, really like in a receiver. So um, some good stuff from him. Uh, back to the January enrollees. I think this is a very, very interesting dynamic here in that you're getting both Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen on campus in January, um, the way it stands right now. Uh, these guys both are really, really talented. Uh, we've seen IMG backs before, um, as in Noah Kane, come in and and play right away and establish themselves right away. Katron Allen is a freaking truck. Um, if you watch some of his stuff, especially against uh, Auburn High last weekend, um, IMG played a tough game, which they don't, you know, not all their games are um, against. Uh, the best of the best competition that's that's playing up to their level, um, but he he was a you know he he was a guy that uh, really carried the rock for them. I think 120 some yards and three touchdowns and finished him off with a late touchdown. So Katron Allen, even though everybody talks about Nick Singleton, Katron Allen's kind of lived up uh, to his billing. I thought you know when he when he committed, it was a little bit high in terms of what he could do. Um, you know, you see the big backs in high school. It doesn't always translate to uh, to to the next level, but he's really gone out and, and made a name for himself aside from being the other back in Penn State's uh, class. And then, of 
course, Nicholas Singleton. I mean, what do you say about him? He's been phenomenal this year. Um, I was saying the same thing about him. I thought he was a little bit highly rated when he committed to Penn State or, or maybe too high rated uh, when he came into Penn State. He has turned into a running back. He's really, you know, I, I can't wait to see him in the state playoffs against some better competition, but he's really turned it on as a guy that, you know, can find the hole, can get, get where he needs to be. And given the status of this, of this running back room and how, much they've lacked success this year. It wouldn't be shocked to see a freshman throw his name into the into the mix and, and get something going. One of the more interesting player, I should say, assistant coach calls that we have coming up this week that we've had in the entire season. Jay Wan Sider, running backs coach for Penn State, going to be available for a call on Thursday late morning. Um, I think the last time we got him was after week one. Clearly, uh, the conversation around his room has has changed in a significant way the last couple of months. Hear what he has to say, but you're, no, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, everyone's on notice in that room. And when you talk about the two players who are coming in, one other note on, on Katron Allen, um, and I'm with you, both these guys, I think, have exceeded the expectations that, uh, and, and they had pretty high expectations going into their senior season. They've taken it, they've run with it. And, and what Katron Allen does at IMG and what Noah Kane did before that, I think really helps you out making the jump to a power five football program like Penn State at the running back position, because uh, a lot of these guys get fed 25 to 30 touches a game if you're the star running back. And you've probably been that way going back to fifth grade. You, you're taking the bulk of carries. You go to IMG, you're sharing it with somebody. Uh, last last year, it was a Georgia commit that, that Katron Allen had to share the rock with. This time, it's one of the rising star underclassmen in the country, Stacy Gage. I think he's the number two running back. And 24-7 sports, 24 ranking. So he's yeah. really good. <laughs> and what you got to learn that way is every day on the practice field, you're trying to make sure you get your reps. I mean, you're trying to make sure you get your touches that that following matchup because you've got somebody who's going to play power five football right next to you. And of course, once you get on a power five practice field, everybody's in the same boat. It's just something that I love about the particularly the running back position and coming out of that at IMG Academy. I guess you could probably go through roster and say position by position, but I think it's particularly important for the mindset. It's already a guy who has taken it upon himself and understanding if he wanted to play at the highest level of high school football where they're at right now, he had to take a back seat individually because let's face it, if he's still playing public school football in Virginia, imagine the career numbers that Katron Allen puts up and imagine the wear and tear that he's probably accrued physically by this stage of his life. That's what Noah Kane had early in his career when he was mm -hmm. playing in Texas. He just carried the rock 200 sometimes a year. Um, and they, they gauged that or, you know, they scaled that back for him. And, and, you know, I guess it helped him now, of course, with the injuries, it's hard to say gauge, by the way, I think he's going to end up higher rated than both of those guys. And yeah. he's really good. He is originally from Tampa though. So it's a little bit different than taking a guy from and uprooting him, moving him to IMG. So that, uh, that might be a bit challenging, but Penn state will be, um, a presence in that recruiting as much as they can be, I think. So uh, we, we'll see what happens, um, you know, down the road at running back. You know, Penn State's done a really good job of, of recruiting national names and things like that. Not all of them have panned out, but they've they've established themselves on the national stage. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because the, their most successful guys have been from right here in Pennsylvania. So that's uh, that's just an interesting subplot to that. And of course, Nicholas Singleton from Pennsylvania, Katron Allen from Virginia. So we'll see where it goes with that. Um, moving on in the early enrollees, you got a couple of receivers coming in and Caden Saunders and Omari Evans kind of um, on both sides of the coin here. You got Saunders, who I think is an early impact guy, a guy that you can come in and put in the slot. You look at what Penn State has coming back at receiver. You know, there's going to be some movement in the offseason there. Um, and this is a guy that's whose speed brings something different um, just in terms of what he can do 
probably similar to like like a Dotson when he was a freshman. I don't know if he's going to come in and lead your team in catches or anything like that, but I think he can definitely get on the field. Evans, I think it's going to take a little bit longer. He's a high school quarterback that uh, really you know is is carrying that athlete tab, tab for a reason. Um, you know he's got the potential to be a very good receiver as well. But I think Saunders is the guy that you're looking to in the spring that could potentially be a spark plug for you. Yeah, I, I think that when I when I imagine uh, Saunders' impact here, I think what if KJ Hamler didn't get hurt at IMG Academy his senior year? Because I think he would have come here and I think he would have made a pretty quick impact. I know it was a talented group, but he would have worked his way onto the field, had to put on weight. That was KJ's thing. I think physically you're seeing Caden Saunders further ahead, the comparisons that, that he so spoke with with the Penn State staff about those KJ Hamler comparisons a little bit earlier in his career. I think he's, he's, he's a different athlete right now. But to me, I think he is the kind of athlete with that explosiveness, with the speed, where probably can come to campus and and if, if he's polished enough and I think he probably is and, and you put the spring camp ahead of him, you got to find ways to utilize him. I mean, you're going to be you're looking for a new first team punt returner next year. Um, you know, is that a spot where he can factor in? Um, I, I just think in general, this running this wide receiver room, three guys have done a lot. No one else has done much. You think about who's carrying eligibility beyond this year, guys like Daniel George and Cam Sullivan Brown and Jaden Dotton. And you have questions about, about some of these players in each case. And Malik Mega has been mentioned and a couple freshmen you got, but that wide receiver class is coming. We're not sure exactly who all is going to be playing wide receiver from the 2022 group. These two we do know. And, and this is the start of, I think you're going to see some, some significant changeover in that room in terms of, it being flipped on its head a little bit. Jahan Dotson moving on, some of the older guys moving on, and then a lot of first, second-year players who you're wondering who's going to pounce on the opportunities when spring ball starts next March. Caden Saunders, the uh, conference player of the year, and also first-team selection. Caden Saunders Day uh, today. How about <laughs> he that? Put that out last night. That's yeah. uh, that's pretty cool uh, from in Westerville, Ohio. So not every not everybody that's coming in has their own day. So uh, it's so so cool to they see. They might not uh, like him around there much. Any, uh, you know, next time he comes back to town as a sophomore in that Nittany Lions uniform. So he better yeah, know, enjoy the love last now. Last week before the Ohio State, before the <laughs> yeah. Penn State Ohio State game uh, on the uh, on the offensive line, you're getting a couple of guys in there. Uh, JB Nelson and Drew Shelton. That's kind of you know flip flip a coin on that one because you've got JB Nelson coming in that probably has to to drop some weight and figure out how that's going to work. And you've got Drew Shelton coming in. That's probably got to add some weight. So I don't really see those guys coming in right away and making a, a big impact. Of course, JB Nelson's going to have four years to play three. I think that's the important thing. So you get a red shirt year out of him if you want it. Um, but if not, you still have a, you still have time to turn that one around and, and get him ready. And, and it's kind of that extra year. I just think does so much for his, uh, his long-term potential. You have a name written down here that I almost forgot about because he he has had an abbreviated season. He he was not he was banged up a little bit early on. Didn't have a junior season because of how COVID was handled in his home state, and his body has changed in such a tremendous way since he committed to Penn State. I'm talking about tight end Jerry Cross, of course. Um, perhaps uh, I mean as as much of a mystery to me as anybody in this class, um, just because last time we saw extensive highlights, and I think he just put out a four-game sample, haven't had a chance to really check those out, um, but he looks like, I mean, just just watching a little bit of those new highlights, 
just a completely different guy. I think he's 25, 30 pounds heavier. Um, I'm really interested here because it's 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 kind of off the pattern of, of players who have come in and needed to put on 30 pounds of weight or whatever during their first 12 months on campus. The Brenton Strange, uh, the Khalil Dinkins, guys that you've said, okay, get them to campus, throw the weight on them. Zach Koontz previously. Right now you're thinking, okay, Jerry Cross is coming to campus, what, 250 plus? Um, that you need to kind of reconfigure his weight a little bit. But a guy like that with his size, um, he's been locked into this class for a long time, even before he visited campus. Really curious what kind of an impact he can come in and make as an early enrollee, um, because I, I think that um, that that first few months of, of getting those extra practices after playing so such little football here as a high school upperclassman is going to be really important for him, as opposed to if he was showing up in May or or June. Yeah, he's really an unknown in this class. Uh, obviously, missed last year, so you you don't have much to go off of there. And then you know he's a different body than he was. You know, as a sophomore when he was two hundred. 10, 215 pounds, now 250, 260. Um, so where do you go from there with that? I mean, I think he moves pretty well. Um, he does have that receiver experience. Um, it's just kind of different kind of tight end than you've brought in before. Um, I, I don't know about this one. Um, not, not in the sense that I don't think he's going to be productive or anything like, I just don't know about this one. Mm -hmm. Um, because there, there are so many unknowns in, in this recruitment, in this, uh, you know, in his development and things like that, uh, competition and all that kind of stuff, uh, goes into it. But, um, they were high on him to begin with. Um, you know, he, like I said, he was a different style of body type than, than, than his, than committed to the program, um, back when he kind of committed out of nowhere. Um, so I, I, I don't know which direction this is going to go, but this is a guy that you're going to bring in, get him into the way program, figure out, you know, this, this is a guy that if he's 255 right now, he might be 255 in two years, but he might look a little bit different. Um, so you probably strip some weight off, put some weight back on, um, you know, get a little bit faster, see how that will work. And, and I think this is a guy that's probably a red shirt guy um, just based on his experience, based on his body type and, and what he's got in front of him doesn't scream, um, you know, tight end doesn't scream immediate opportunity for, for some of these guys. And then uh, you know, someone who, whose numbers really jump out this year, had a chance to go check that out a little bit uh, earlier this week, is Zane Durant. Went over to, to, to their page for Lake Nona High School in Orlando on, uh, on Max Prep, Sean. I don't know if you've seen this, but he is at 25 tackles for loss, according uh, to what, the, what has been reported on Max Preps. 25 tackles for <laughs> loss in nine games. Uh, 61 total tax tackles, 13 sacks in those nine contests. And he had some big numbers last year. I think he was at seven sacks, uh, 15, 16 tackles for loss. And, and you said, okay, this guy can create havoc. He, he looks a little bit undersized right now to imagine him as a, as a big 10 defensive tackle. Is he one of those swing linemen? Can he help you at defensive end? Does he bounce around a bit before you find the right spot? All I know is this is a kid who was pretty coveted in that central Florida region. He's obviously got a big bullseye on his back, every opponent that faces that team. And yet he is producing like this. I mean, 25 tackles for loss, 13 sacks. And again, a nine game sample size, just that jumped out in a big way to me. Yeah. Zane Durant's a wrecking ball, man. He's been all, he, all kinds of active uh, down there in Florida, you know, not only the stuff uh, on the defensive line, but also you, you see these special teams clips. I know we laughed about Malik McNeil's uh, punting uh, exploits, but Zane Durant's covering punts, running all over the place, running people down. Be a very interesting one because obviously his body type is is suited for the interior, kind of like a Kevin Givens type is the is the comparison that we've thrown around a bunch. Uh, be interesting to me if if he comes in and plays some defensive end. We know that Penn State has had depth issues at defensive end, so it'll be uh, very interesting to see if that's where he starts his career and eventually moves back down because um, he's kind of been all over the place in terms of uh, of, of his weight. We'll see. 
Um, I think that's the 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 thing with guys that are six one or whatever it is. Um, how much can that frame hold? How much can you put on? How fast can you put it on? And and is that the right move for the player? Um, so it would not be shocking to see him take that that Givens approach where you start at defensive end and eventually uh, move down to the interior. Um, Sean, I got one, I got one more quick for Zane Durant. It's the best stat. He's got three offensive touches, three touchdowns. Oh, I mean, might as well put him in Tyler Warren's role while we're at there you it. Go. I mean, maybe you'll do, yeah, maybe you'll do that next year. Um, one more guy from Florida and uh, Cam Miller, the the cornerback uh, from Jacksonville, um, is it, it's an interesting one. Number one, because Florida offered a couple of weeks ago. It seems like Penn State has weathered that storm. There wasn't really much to go with it. I know Florida's kind of a mess right now in terms of the Mullen stuff uh, with recruiting. And actually, I'm surprised he picked up an offer during the season because they don't do that apparently. Um, but, uh, Cam Miller's, he, he's been good with Penn state and, and, you know, he's, he's a guy that, uh, came up for a visit earlier this fall, took a couple of visits in June. Uh, they're really high on him. Corner is always a spot where you can come in and play right away, or at least uh, make a dent in that depth chart right away. I think we probably expected to see a little bit more of Kalen King at this point, but when you've got guys, um, playing really well in front of him, like Joey Porter playing well in front of him, like, uh, Tariq Castro fields, then you're, you're obviously your, your snaps and opportunities are going to be limited, but with, uh, with Castro fields gone next year with Porter potentially gone next year, maybe you get Miller in there. He's a really good football player. Um, was a, was a quarterback, uh, plays corner safety, wherever you want to put him on defense, uh, returns, kicks and things like that. They're really excited about him. Um, I don't think he's a bona fide guy that's going to come in and play right away. You know, no matter what, um, but he's a Florida athlete. He can come in and, and and adjust to it, and then get going from from that. So, um, those two guys from Florida, probably we forget about them in terms of the class. And you can probably say that about Jerry Cross as well. But you get them here in January, and you've got a chance to uh, to solidify some numbers at some key positions. I'm not sure if our listeners anticipated getting the early enrollment rundown here on a Wednesday in November, but it was kind of timing up with our quarterback two conversation and those early enrollee quarterbacks. And you were gathering some information this week regarding um, this group and, and 11, that's a significant number. That's a great way to say that. That's a great way to say that we had nothing for the show today and we had to scramble. <laughs> we had something else lined up and we, we had, had a few things. Scramble. We had a few things. Somebody yeah. asked me in the thread about uh, early enrollees and snap. There we go. We got a show. Yeah, and and uh, that's that's the magic, and, and thanks to Lance for helping juggle things behind the scenes. Time for mailbag, uh, and this one keeps us on the recruiting trail. And Sean, what is the outlook for Penn State with offensive lineman Emil Wagner's upcoming commitment, and any idea why he moved up that decision date? In terms of moving it up, uh, it's it's hard to say. I, I I asked Alan True and Steve Wilfong, who have been on this one for twenty four seven Sports. There wasn't much to add to that. Um, he's going to decide on November eleventh on CBS Sports HQ. He was going to announce the All American Game in January, but moved it up. Um, this is one where you could you could probably say three schools involved here. Kentucky, I think, is the favorite. His brother is a graduate assistant there, and I don't think that can be ignored. Uh, he's been to Kentucky several times. Notre Dame is still in it as well. And Penn State, he took an official visit to Penn State in June, um, came back for the whiteout, I believe it was, um, and and check things out unofficially. Penn State's still in this one. I mean, this is we, we probably don't talk about him as much. Um, after the Andre Roy commitment, I think Penn State would still take uh, Emil Wagner. I think they'd be delighted to take Emil Wagner, um, a top 247 kid by both the uh, 24-7 sports rankings and the composite rankings. Um, it, it, it'd be tough to see Penn State beat Kentucky because of the family aspect of that. Like I said, his brother was recently hired as a graduate assistant. Um, so I think they would probably be the, the odds on favor. But I think Penn State's right in this one um, in, in terms of can they seal the deal? Can they close the deal? 
I would lean Kentucky at this point, but Penn State certainly pressing hard on this when Phil Troutwine still wants to add them. And we talked about it last episode. You want to take as many tackles as you can possibly get. And Emil Wagner um, has that, that sort of prototype tackle body. Drew Shelton, Andre Roy, Malik McNeil, current high school seniors uh, committed to this Penn State class. And then, of course, you toss in J.B. Nelson from Lackawanna College. Uh, a few years ago, you got Anthony Wigan from that same program. Um, and additionally, Sean, um, you know, Spencer Rolland is a name that gets forgotten a little bit as he part, is part of this Penn State 2022 plan as well. Off to tackle, um, preseason all Ivy League pick, um, performing pretty well. I mean, from what I've seen, I, I can't pretend I've been watching Harvard, but the highlights I have seen that you can understand why there's intrigue there. Um, at the same time, it, were you blown away by your first Harvard edition at left guard with Eric Wilson? I mean, there's there's a conversation to be had there, and you've got Spencer Rollins coming in as a perimeter player that we, we anticipate playing tackle. Yeah, I and you say that, and I, I still don't know that he's absolutely slotted for tackle, um, but given where Penn State's uh, depth chart, its roster is right now, its scholarship roster is um, probably would, would end up there. He just gives you a little bit more physically. I mean, taller, longer, um, you know, just a little bit more athletic. Wilson, I think a tremendous player, especially at that level um, for Harvard, um, but probably a little bit limited athletically. I think Rollin gives you a little bit more upside for that. Plus he gives you two years. You'll see what you've got uh, with that. I haven't followed. I mean, I'm not even going to pretend like I've been following Harvard football or anything like that. No, no disrespect to, to Spencer, who was great with us on the, on the podcast a couple of months ago. Um, but that's uh, that, that's a scenario where I think you get a little bit more upside and you also do get the extra year. Um, he's got two years to play too. Eric Wilson, six foot four, 207 pounds. Spencer Rollin right now listed six foot six, 285 pounds. So uh, a combination of factors in place for the offensive line in the next class, but uh, we will shift attention back to this game week with Maryland and Penn State in the forefront. We have a conversation with a turf reporter uh, tomorrow. Get a better feel for this matchup. We'll give you our predictions, our top takeaways uh, from this week. We've got practice to get to a little bit later here on a Wednesday. James Franklin will speak with us again. Linebacker Curtis Jacobs coming off a very fine performance at Ohio State, really finding his rhythm as a former five-star all those things coming your way up on the site at lions247.com. We're back with you with that uh, final podcast before this matchup on Saturday at Lions 24-7 on YouTube. You can watch all of these uh, episodes week by week, game by game. We'll talk to you real soon. On behalf of Sean and our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.